For those of you who remain whether here in person or on the live stream, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1. We are in the second week of our series on this, the last Old Testament book. Not the last Old Testament prophet or Old Covenant prophet, for as we'll find as we continue to study this book, John the Baptist comes in that tradition, at the start of the New Testament before the coming of Christ. Uh, but Malachi preached to clear the way. And so we find here now that he turns his attention to the subject of God's work in worship. And I'll invite you to read along with me. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. This is God's word. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those who are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat, who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name will be feared among the nations. This is God's word. Let's pray that he would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, give us understanding that we might receive this heavy word and turn afresh and anew to you, that you may be gracious to us. Restore 
to us. A vision for the glory and majesty of your name. We may offer you the worship you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever found yourself just going through the motions with something? Like you're, you're sitting there watching a TV show with your family or whatnot and stuff's happening, but you're scrolling through Facebook or Twitter at the same time and something important happens. You're like, what was that? What did they say? What just happened? And everybody has to pause it just to explain to you what's going on because you were just sort of going through the motions of watching TV. There, there's this new movement, apparently, of, of uh, pretending to be a part of Zoom meetings as Zoom has sort of infiltrated uh, the, the workspace and the classroom, uh, people will set up their, their cameras and their computers so that it looks like they're there at the meeting and they're looking at you, but they're actually working on something else, maybe a different project or Minecraft or whatever. They're just going through the motions of being in that meeting or listening to that lecture, all while they're taking care of other things that are more important. Or... And heaven forbid that this has ever happened to you, but I must confess it has happened to me. Where you come home and your spouse is sharing with you about the difficulties and struggles they've encountered that day. And you're so busy thinking about all the things that are weighing on your heart, you're not really paying attention. And when they say, so what do you think I should do? You're like, oh, well, oh. That's, that's a really tough place to be in. What do you think you should do? And your spouse is like, I just told you what I thought I should do. <laughs> what do you, you know, like you, you can't get away with that for too long when you're just going through the motions of listening. And this reveals something about the world and about life that is true, that our attention towards other things or other people reveals what we really think about them. We really think Facebook's more interesting than that TV show. Fine, if that's what you think. I don't really care which one you find more interesting. But we also, in the more weighty things, can communicate that we think our problems are more important than our spouses or our neighbors or our friends. And perhaps even more significantly, what does our worship reveal about what we really think of the living God? Are we just going through the motions of being present, but not really here? Paul Tripp talks about worship and describes it in this way. He says, because everything in our lives is shaped by worship, there is a way in which everything that we do is somehow, some way, an act of worship. You can't divide life into moments that are times of worship and moments that aren't. Worship is that inner desire for wonder, amazement, and awe that every human being possesses. It is that craving to be fulfilled, 
It is that constant search for life. It is wanting personal meaning and purpose. It's the drive to look to someone or something to give you identity. It's that universal hunger for inner peace. It's that lifelong hunt for God. It's the fact that we always live in service of something or that we always live in control of something. It's the reality that no one is godless. We all give our hearts to the one true God or to some created God replacement. In other words, worship is formative. That is to say, it shapes us. It forms our identity. It directs us to where there is joy and peace. It communicates what we find amazing. But when we replace the worship of the one true God with the worship of some God replacement, we corrupt and pollute worship. And because worship is formative, that corruption infiltrates every part of our life and puts us in a terrible, destructive cycle. Replacing the living God pollutes worship and corrupts us. And because of this, because our worship shapes us so deeply, God despises and curses polluted worship. So we're going to look at that this morning. As we consider why it is he so hates polluted and corrupted worship, how we might return to the proper and right worship of the living God, what it is that God is actually doing in worship, how he is at work in worship. Why does he hate polluted worship? How can we return to proper worship? What is God's purpose? What is he doing through worship? So I want to call your attention to verses 6 through 8, where Malachi confronts the people of Israel and us with God's hatred of polluted worship. If we're honest with ourselves, I think we have to confess that we very often fail to give God the worship that He deserves. Maybe you can drum yourself up for a day. Maybe you can come on Easter Sunday or Christmas or for maybe even once a week. You can sort of put on the happy face and the, the nice clothes and, and do what you can. But it's hard, day in and day out, moment by moment, in every part of life, to offer God the worship He deserves. I mean, here we are celebrating Mother's Day, and maybe you've got a big meal planned, and you bought some nice flowers and a gift, and, and like you can, you can really get things together one day out of the year and, and just... Say, oh, you're so great and awesome. But, but the other 364, like, what does your treatment of your mother reveal about your real heart towards her? 
In Malachi's day, as in ours, the people of God had become very cynical about worship. And in their cynicism, they had reduced it to a bare ritual. Going through the motions of offering the sacrifices and doing the things and saying the words, but their heart wasn't in it. They didn't honor the Lord in their worship. They had no reverence or fear of the Lord in their worship. And God calls them out. This isn't, this, this isn't how you would treat your governor. This isn't how you would treat your father. This isn't how you would treat your boss. Why is it that you would treat me, the Lord of hosts, this way? They thought they could just offer an animal. Oh, so what if we, we found this animal lying on the side of the road? We'll take it and we'll offer it to the Lord. We'll check off the box of the sacrifices. Oh, we have this flock, but you know what? This animal's lame. They're, it's not much good to us, but we have to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. So let's take this lame animal and offer that, or this blind one, or this, this maimed one, and we'll offer that to the Lord. Check off the worship box and move on. And in doing so, they revealed something significant. It wasn't about the sacrifice as much as it was about their hearts. They revealed that they despised the Lord, not just his worship. Notice that even the Lord, he calls them out and they say, how have we despised your name? How have we polluted you. Even the people of Israel realized in going through the motions, they really have no regard for the living God. And this is why God despises it so much. Because when we draw near to God, we have, He has the power to form us and shape us to, to heal the image of God in which we were created, to mold us more and more in the likeness and image of Christ, to teach us what it means to walk in holiness and righteousness and truth. When we despise Him and go through the motions and keep Him at a distance and despise His name, and show up just for the ritual, and don't draw near to God, we are formed and shaped into something else altogether. That negative feedback loop of despising the name of the Lord, of accepting empty worship as a worthy way to spend our time and energy, brings us further and further and further away from the Lord and into pollution and corruption, the very image in which we were made. Are you content to just go through the motions of worship? And we could talk about this in terms of of attendance. I mean, here we are in a worship service. Are we content to attend the service? 
and not draw near to God in awe and reverence. To hear His Word. To to overflow with every prayer and petition in our need and in our feebleness. To lift His name up as great and mighty and holy. To seek His face. To long be renewed in Him so that when we go back out into this broken and burdensome world, we don't go back out alone. Or are we content to just attend? It's not just in the services of worship where we can go through the motions. We can do this in all of life. Take just the, the way we approach parenting. So often we have bought into the world's idea that parenting is about learning to become great behaviorists. And training our children up to say and do the things that we want them to say and do so that they become the people we want them to become. And so we train them to behave a certain way, to speak a certain way, to live a certain way, and we have forgotten that God has entrusted children to parents so that they can train up worshipers. He has called us to be about Caring for their hearts, for who they are before the Lord, not just what they do for us. And we stand confused when we teach our children to behave a certain way, empty of the worship of the Lord, and they go off empty, behaving in certain ways without the worship. Of the Lord. Well, not every child that has gone astray has gone astray because of you. Because none of us have the power to turn our children's hearts to the Lord. It requires the Lord to be at work. How can we equip our children to be worshipers if we ourselves are unwilling to turn and worship the Lord and be renewed and restored in Him and empowered and used of Him to train up our children in that way? And yet sometimes even Christians are content to live like plastic trees have all that they'd look great for a while until the dust starts collecting on them. But don't grow, don't have a root, don't bear fruit. Are you content? Just go through the motions and so pollute your worship of God. How can we? Return to a proper worship of Him? It's an important question to ask because if if we are corrupted, if we are sinful, if we are wicked, how can we find it in ourselves to step back into good and proper and holy worship? God says in verse 10, Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle the fire of my altar in vain. These are powerful words. God is basically saying it would be better for you not 
to worship me at all than to offer polluted worship. If only there was somebody who would just close the door. But in this, we get worship backwards. This is part of the problem. This may be the key to the problem. We approach worship as something that we need to do in order to elicit a response from God to us. But worship is our response to God who has done everything for us in Christ. Who do you think God really is? You ever been in the store or the airport or someplace with a lot of people and you see somebody and you're like, run up to them, you're like, Bill, I, I didn't know you were, and they turn around and it's not Bill. <laughs> like, like, you're like, I'm glad I didn't run up and give him a hug. <laughs> you know, like, from, from one angle, that looked just like my neighbor or my friend or whoever. I, like, I've seen people and I thought it was one of my parents. They turn around, I'm like, who is that? From a certain angle, we can look at God and think that He is the sort of person, the sort of being, who is waiting for us to get things right before He will pour His favor out upon us. And that is wearying and exhausting and tiring. And it's no wonder we start cutting corners in worship. Because what could you offer that would be enough? But here, Malachi calls the people to be restored to proper worship as our response to our gracious God. Look at verse 9. And now, entreat the favor of God. He may be gracious to us. Our sacrifices are not to earn His favor. It is the response of those who receive the blessing and favor and grace of God. If He has offered us His own Son, how could we hold anything back from Him? If He has given us all things in Christ, who are we? to think that He will not provide everything that we need. Why would we hold back from Him? It's interesting that there is only one who is holy and righteous enough to close the doors, the place of worship, and seek its restoration and renewal. When our Lord Jesus Christ came into the temple and overturned the corruption of the money changers, and declared that God's house was to be a place of prayer for all people. Come to Him without cost. And rather than de- demanding that we offer some better sacrifice, He offered Himself. The only perfect sacrifice that we might be restored to Him. And so God in Malachi and in Christ calls us to be restored to a right worship of of the Lord in Christ. 
responding to what He has done for us, standing in awe and reverence of what He has done for us, standing in amazement, speechless, He has done for us. How can you be restored to proper worship? In yourself, you can't. But in page after page after page of Scripture, in Old Testament and New, God declares, return to me. Draw near to me. I have cleared the way. What would keep you from seeking Him afresh this morning? Would your self-sufficiency, would your hardness of heart, would your shame at things done and left undone, would your fear of man, would your weariness with the world, would your sadness of heart and soul, would your sickness of body or mind, what would keep you And the living God, the Lord of hosts, says, I have cleared the way, draw near to me. What can keep you from it? If you would be restored to right worship, entreat him. Call out to him. Draw near to him. Know his grace and favor. Because what God does in worship is restore the world to himself. Don't miss what he's saying in verses 11 through 14. He's saying, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be feared. I will be worshipped. The, the fact that God made the world good, created man and woman in his image, in his likeness, to be a people to, to declare His glories, to, to cover the face of the earth with His righteousness, holiness, and truth. The fact that sin has come into the world and corrupted and polluted that does not stop God from His purposes to fill this world with worshipers. What happens when we are content with polluted or corrupted worship is that we invite a curse upon ourselves. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. This man reveals that his heart is far from the Lord. He does not care to depend on the Lord, to provide. He does not believe that the Lord is the great king of all, that he is the Lord of the armies of Israel, that he is the Lord of all, that he is gracious and compassionate to those in need. And in his hardness of heart, he offers the Lord an unworthy sacrifice. He withholds his heart. He does not draw near. He's left to himself and his worldliness. And the more he does this, the harder his heart becomes. 
and he brings judgment and a curse upon himself. But notice also what the Lord says. My name will be great among the nations. In every place, incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. God is working through worship to draw people near to Him. People who are sinful and weak and wicked and frail, who need to be reformed, who need to be renewed, who need to be transformed more and more into the likeness and image of Christ. And there is no other way for that to happen than to draw near to Christ. To experience His grace, to know His favor, and to respond in worship, and to, to see God work in you. To soften your hard heart. To bear your shame. To comfort your weary soul. But when you find worship a weariness, when you snort at it as if it is just some silly, dumb ritual that you have to do because that's what good people do, when you forget what it means to know the great King of the universe who invites you into his presence. You reject his blessing. God promised through Abraham that he would bless the whole world by raising up through Abraham people of faith who believe that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And through them, He can bless the world as He shapes us to be more and more like Jesus. God is working through worship to transform you and change the world. Is your worship this sort of blessing for your own soul and for those around you. Do you stand in such awe of God that you would rather be shaped by Him than the powers of this world? That you would reject the the political polarization that would crush enemies underfoot and become more like Jesus who said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy. Would you snort and find wearying the things of the Lord. Snort at and find wearying the things of the Lord. Would you draw near to Him even in the hardship, even in the burdens of your soul? Seek His grace to bear the fruit of the Spirit more and more. Even in those hard places with those difficult people. 
Would you learn what it means to offer up incense, which is the the imagery of prayer, to offer up prayers and petitions of every kind to the Lord in Christ, knowing that as you draw near to God, He loves to hear what your soul is wrestling with. He might abound to you with blessing. Would you learn what it means more and more? It means to live as one who fears the Lord. In all of life, in every relationship, every place, His name might be praised. Your worship shapes you. Whatever it is you're worshiping, whether it is the living God or something that you have sought to replace Him with, your worship shapes you. And it affects the world around you. If you need to be renewed, if you need to be restored, if you need to be refreshed, if you need to be strengthened, if you need to be made whole because you have worshipped inferior things. Hear the word of the Lord. Entreat his favor. Draw near to him in Christ. In reverent fear, experience his grace and seek to be formed in him that you, in Christ, might be used of God to be a blessing to the world. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would work this great thing. We cannot, that is for sure. If left to ourselves, Lord, our worship would become more and more corrupt and more and more polluted. We would chase after everything that that tickles our fancy. Lift Christ up before us and help us to stand in awe of him. That we might draw near. That we might offer him praise and worship and honor and blessing. That in him we might experience the glory of our great king the grace and the majesty of our God and His healing and restoring power. That as He pours His blessing out on us in Christ, we might then be a people of praise that is a blessing to the world around us. Work this for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.